Father, as we've taken time in this service to just to praise you for who you are, we've also taken time to worship you, Father, for also who you are. And so, Father, as we go forward in this service today, we do so believing you for miracles, signs, and wonders to confirm your word, Father. I pray that as I preach and teach today, it will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it'll be by demonstration of your spirit and of your power. And Father, today the people won't stand in the wisdom of man, but they'll stand in the power of God. And Father, we'll give you all the glory for all the good that'll come out of this service today. In Jesus' name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, we can do better than that. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. If you would, love on two or three people today. Let them know that you're glad to see them. Compliment them. Speak life into them. I want to welcome our online audience on today. If you're streaming today, we're glad to have you. Today is Veterans Day, and so let's all at the top of service thank God for every soldier in whatever branch or military office they served in. Come on, can we thank God for all of our veterans? And of course, we've got a special reception that'll be held in their honor at the end of service today. Uh, I wanna pick up with part two of First Things First at Linked Up Church. And so on last week, we talked about our first love being so important to God. Do you all recall what it was like when you first gave your life to Christ and how on fire you were for him? Only thing he's asking us to do is to never lose that and to keep that. If you remember in Revelation chapter 2, the reason he led me to that particular church was because that church was doing well. That church was doing extremely well, and he commended them for how well they were doing. But he said, I've got this one thing against you. Now, imagine that. A church is doing well, and God still says, I've got one thing against you. How many of you know we're doing well at Linked Up Church? How many of you know we didn't get here? It's, it, it looks easy, but how many of you know it wasn't easy to get here? Right? So God has graced us to be here. You know, by the outward eye, we look like we're doing well. But what we don't want is for God to come to us and say, but I've got one thing against you all. You've left your first love. And so one way to just kind of help yourself with that is we start prayer at 7.50 a.m. Or I'm sorry, 8.50 a.m. prior to this service. You know, how many of you should love prayer? And prayer should be a priority in your lives. How many of you know praise and worship is what God gets out of this service? That's the reason he all wants us to come together in this general assembly so that we can give him the glory that is due unto his name. So we don't want to miss that. It demonstrates that he's still our first love. And then when the word goes forth, how I many know we want to sit down and act like it's God speaking directly to us and just really receive it and find out and ask God, how does this apply to my life? How do you want me to, to use this? And so we don't want to lose that first love. And so the degree of fulfillment and success we experience in life is highly contingent on how well we establish and maintain our priorities. Remember we said in our introduction, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. 
And that's what we're endeavoring to do here. It is not about this building. Thank God for this building. But it's about the God who blessed us with this building. Right? And we want to give him more honor than we ever do some material something that he blessed us with. I need a little better amen than that in here. Right? And, and we want to make sure that that's demonstrated, not just spoken out of our mouths, but that's demonstrated and that's lived. So when prayer starts, it should look like this during prayer. Right? Praise and worship starts, it should look just like this. And we come in ready because we want to make sure that we keep the first things first and we keep what's the main priority, the main priority. We don't come here for show. We don't come here for entertainment. We don't come here to, to look for a mate. We don't come here, hello, somebody. We come here to give God the glory that he is due. And I don't know about you, God's been good to me. Has God been good to anybody else in this building? So when you come here and you get here for prayer, you're partnering with God for all the lives that will be changed at the end of this service. When you're engaged in praise, what you're saying is, God, you've been good to me all week long. I didn't wake up by myself. I didn't get to the job on my own. I didn't get back home on my own. Come on, somebody. God, you kept me and you provided for me. Your blood protected me and my family and our possessions all week long. I came back to say thank you and give you the praise that's due unto your name. Right? And then we want to back off of that and just now it's time to worship. Now, God, it's just all about who you are right now. You're good. You're great. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're majestic. You're mighty in all of your ways. Then we sit down and we get to work. That's keeping first things first at Linked Up Church. It's a tragedy when prayer starts and nobody's here. When he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. See, but he, he, he really rebuked them because he said they made it a den of thieves. So if it becomes about the cafe and coffee shops and come on somebody, hello, then we've missed what this is all about. Let's pick up today with point number two. Seek the kingdom first. Now, I'm getting ready to put something in you today. I'm so excited. I'm getting ready to put something in you today. How many of y'all are ready? Right. I'm telling you, if you catch this, I personally believe more things are caught than taught. And if you catch this today, it will revolutionize and change your life for the rest of your life. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to back up. To verse 25. I'm going to read verses 25 through 32 out of the New King James Version. Then I'm going to read verse 33 out of the Amplified. Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, look on with someone, right? Uh, or follow along you version Bible app. Online audience, don't miss this today. Life changing. One of these revelations that if you catch it, it'll change your life for the rest of your life. Matthew chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 25. He says, Therefore I say unto you, New King James Version, do not worry about your life. See, don't worry about your life. He didn't say don't plan for your life. Don't have goals for your life. Hello, somebody. He didn't say that. He just said don't worry about your life. Some people think not looking for a job means I'm not worrying. No, you need to look for a job. Hello? You just don't need to worry while looking for a job, right? 
So he says here, therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Now, this is going to change your life if you catch this. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So let's think about how much we put in to just what we're going to eat for the day. Some of you all are already thinking right now, where the, where's the brunch I'm going to after service today? And we wake up planning it out. You know how much time it can take to just get dressed in the morning? Trying to figure out what to wear? How many times a person can change clothes just to get the right look? Come on, come on, don't leave me out here by myself. We put time, effort, and thought into this. And he's telling you that's not what life is all about. Nor for your body what you should put on, nor for your life your food. It's more than clothing. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. Now he's getting ready to show you about his economy if you catch this. Right? He said, look at the birds of the air. See what he said? Look, look, look at the birds of the air. Look at them. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. He just told you how his economy works. His economy works through sowing, harvesting, and savings. Thank you for that one amen on that side of the room. Did you just hear what he just said? They don't have, birds don't have the privilege that you have to sow, to reap, and to save. Right? So we're talking putting the kingdom first. If the kingdom is first, then I'm always sowing, I'm always reaping, and I'm always saving. So every time I receive, I should think about sowing, I should think about the harvest that's coming, and I should think about saving. He said, they don't do that, right? They don't gather it in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, notice he says heavenly Father, because he doesn't want you to get confused with your earthly Father. And a lot of times, we'll let past experience keep us from walking in future glory. Because it's hard to trust people. Sometimes we can believe, bring God down to another person's level. And God is saying, I, I'm your heavenly father. I'm not your, your earthly father. Don't put me in that category. Let's keep reading. If you catch this, this will change your life. He said, yet your heavenly father feeds them. They don't get to sow. They don't get to reap. And they don't get to save. But your heavenly father feeds you. Now, why? feeds them. Now, are you not more valuable than them? I asked the question. He asked the question, are you not more valuable than birds? Do you understand what he just said? If I'll do that for birds and you are my most prized possession, why are you worrying about anything? If you catch this, especially if you're sowing and reaping. So he just gave you some insight as to why people worry. Because they know they haven't been sowing. So they don't have an expectation for a harvest. See, because you know you. Let's keep reading. 
Thank you for all this enthusiasm in this building today. If you catch this, this will change your life for the rest of your life. Let's keep going now. Then he uses something else. He says in verse 27, for which of you by worrying can, can get any taller? So in other words, it's a worrying then is a waste of time. So then why do you worry about your clothing? Then he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. So in other words, they put no effort in. So you know why we're working so hard? Because we don't trust that he's already done all the work for us. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen in here. Right? We literally believe we have to do it because we don't trust his ability to do it. So look at the lilies. They don't toil. They don't labor. They don't work. They don't spin. Watch this. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory, who was the richest, most wisest man in the earth of his time, even Solomon in all of his glory never dressed like they do. Watch this now. Now, if God clothes the field, the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, then how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? All right. So, I never looked this, this word faith up right here. This actually is a completely different word. This phrase, little faith, is a completely different word that we're used to hearing or seeing when dealing with the subject of faith. I never looked it up before because in other places, little faith means a little burst of faith. I'm on fire for a moment, and then it's just a little burst, and I lose it. So I automatically assume that's what it meant here. But context is king. This word faith here is a Greek word. I'll spell it for you. O-L-I-G-O-P-I-S-T-O-S. Oligopistos. And guess what this means? It means lacking confidence in Christ. Now let's go back and understand everything that he just said. When people don't sow, it's because they lack confidence in Christ. When people worry about their basic daily needs, it's a result that they lack confidence in Christ. And they have more confidence in their ability and their effort to spin and toil and go out and make it happen than they do just sitting back, relaxing, following the will of God, obeying the Word of God, knowing that God, your Heavenly Father, has already taken care of all of those things. He said, the reason you act that way is because you lack confidence in me. Never saw that Greek word before, ever. Then he says in verse 34, therefore, do not worry, saying. See, how do we know we're worried? How many know all of us worry about something? The difference is between head worry and heart worry when it's only in your head, you never let it come out of your mouth. When you know it's dropped down into your heart is when you say it out of your mouth. Then it becomes real worrying. So he says, don't, but first and most importantly, or, or therefore, do not worry saying what we shall eat 
or what we shall drink or what we shall wear or will I ever get a job or will I ever get married? Hello, somebody. That's when you know you're over into something else and you lack uh, your trust. You're lacking in your trust in Christ's ability to deliver this for you. So he says, therefore, do not worry saying what we shall eat, what we shall drink, what we shall wear. For after all of these things, now look at this analogy that he uses. For after all of these things, it's what the Gentiles seek. Those that do not know me pursue stuff over me. Then he goes back to reminding you of who he is. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Now again, he prescribed himself as your heavenly Father. How many good fathers do I have in here? How many good fathers? I hope everyone believes they're a good father, right? So I have a daughter that's sitting right here. How many of you know I already pretty much know what all of her needs are? How many of you know I've already gone ahead of her to make sure that every need she would ever have has already been provided for her? All she really has to do is obey her earthly father. Then her heavenly father will bless her earthly father to put all the provision in place ahead of time so all she's got to do is walk right into it. You see how this works, folks? Somebody say this with me. I will not spend another minute of my time worrying about things my heavenly father has already provided. If you believe that, give God glory in advance for you. I'm telling you, all the money you need is already there. All the healing you need is already there. The best job you've been looking for is already there. Believe it or not, single people, your spouse is already in the earth. It's already there. Your heavenly father already knows that you need those things. So if he already knows, you've got to know he's already provided. If you catch that, your life will never be the same again. Folks, this building was here the moment we started Linked Up Church. All we had to do was obey him to, along the way and walk right into it. Hello. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 33, this is where I want to get to. Amplified Bible, let's put that up on the screen. Verse 33, Amplified Bible. But first and most importantly, see, before anything else, the first and most important thing you should do, if I don't have a job, if I don't have enough clothes, if I don't have food to eat, hello, somebody, if I'm lacking anything that I need in life, the first and most important thing you should do is seek, aim at, and strive after his kingdom. Because the, the really the, the issue is not on his side. The issue is on our side. So before I do anything else, before I call my grandmother, before I call my girlfriend, before I call it, let me stop and sit down and figure out how this kingdom operates in this area. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom 
and his righteousness. Amplified defines it this way. His way of doing and being right. The attitude and the character of God. How many of you know the being right is what he already made you? He made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the moment you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. There's not a whole lot more you can do to be right because he already made you right. But once you get a revelation of your righteousness, then it should make you want to do right. Right? Being right or the doing right follows the being right. So when I know that he's made me right, then I want to sow seed. Hello, somebody. I want to honor my marriage. I, I want to be a good parent to my children, right? Because now what I do is lining up with, with what he's made me. And that's so important. I've got to first get a revelation of who I am before I can change what I do. If I try to do something different and I've never changed how I see myself or who I am, I mean, all I'm going to end up doing is do, doing what I see myself doing. But the moment I accept the fact that he's made me righteous, I, I now want to live that out. I want my life to agree with that. I want my giving to reflect what he made me. I want my marriage to reflect what he made me. I want my parenting to reflect what he made me. I want how I treat people to reflect what he made me because once I accept what I am, it can change what I do. But never try to change what you do without first believing what he made you. His way of doing and being right. And then it literally says, and all these things will be given to you also. King James Version says, all of these things will be added. What that sounds like to me, folks, if you look up the Greek word for added there, he says, you will increase in all of these areas of your life. What that sounds like to me is he's already done his part. And as we do our part, he'll add, you'll have more clothes than you'll ever need to wear. You have so much food, you can feed your whole block for Thanksgiving. Amen. Come on, I need some, some level of faith in this room, right? In other words, you have your needs met at such a level that now you can spill over and be a blessing to so many other people. That's kingdom, folks. He blesses you so that you can be a blessing. That's kingdom, right? but we've got to operate by his economy. Let's keep going here. So notice here, Jesus taught that when you put God first in verse 33, then your provision, all of the things that you really need in life will increase and not decrease. So if I see things decreasing, how many know it's not God? Come on, somebody help me this morning. I said, when I see things decreasing, losing jobs, no food to eat, no come on somebody, no resources, can't pay my bills. I mean, no, I'm outside of the kingdom because in the kingdom, I literally increase in all of these areas when I keep God first. So it's not that deep. I don't need to run around and say, get in agreement with, will you pray for me? Pray for me. No, I need to get back over in the kingdom and keep God first so he can increase my life. I don't need to go to the pastor. I don't need 50 prayers. I don't need you to get in agreement with me. Come on, somebody. I don't need you to pray for me. I just need to do what he told me to do. And the increase is built into that. 
If you catch that, your life will never be the same again. C.L. Lewis said, when first things are put first, put that quote up on the screen. C.L. Lewis says, when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed but increased. Put, put, put the theologian Joel E. Gregory up there because God gave me one too. Joel E. Gregory said, you'll never come in second when you put God first. I can promise you, in whatever area you put God first, you will never come in second. I challenge you. I double-dog dare you today. Put God first in your money and see if you ever come in second where your finances are concerned. I challenge you. Put God first in your marriage. Your marriage will never come in second. I challenge you. Put God before your children and watch what God does with your children. Man, I wish I was preaching to somebody in here. You'll never come in second. Never, ever, not one time. Even when it looks like you're in second, God is setting you up to end up in first. Amen. Not one area of your life will you ever come in second if you'll put God first. See, the only reason I would ever live with somebody before I get married, I don't have enough confidence in God. I don't have enough confidence in Christ. It's the only reason I would do that. I believe we need these two incomes to survive. I'm more afraid that if I don't do this, you might leave me and I might not get somebody else. I'm telling you, that's not the situation you want. See, that's outside of the kingdom. I'm just going to make it plain today. If you catch this, now I got these bills to pay and I know I'm supposed to give. But God understands. This week, I'm a little short. See, it's a reason why you're a little short. Because last week, you said the same thing. And two weeks ago, you said the same thing. Oh, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen. Last year, you said the same thing. And you ain't figured out why you keep coming up short. All right. I'm getting ready to leave because I can tell people getting. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Listen to me, online audience. What God just promised you is if you'll keep him first, any area of your life, you'll never come in second. How many of y'all believe that today? I said, how many of y'all believe that today? I said, how many of y'all believe that today? Come on, we're talking about first things first at Linked Up. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. We're just looking at complimentary text right now. Proverbs chapter 8, 17 through 19, Amplified Bible. Let's build on that a little bit more. Proverbs chapter 8, 17 through 19, Amplified. Let's build on that thought. How many of y'all say you love God? How many of y'all know that can be seen? Right? That can be seen in our what? How can our love for God be seen? Come on, somebody talk to me. And what you do, right? Right? If I tell my daughter I love her, but I never spend time with her, which one do you think she believes? What I said or what I do? Right? 
So we want to make sure that what we do and what we say agrees. Watch what he says here because there's something on the back end of this, right? I'm telling you, you don't have to play the lottery to be rich. But you saw people line up, put tents out. Nobody in here, no, I'm telling you, nobody at at linked up got caught up like that. But people will have more confidence in a flawed worldly system than in God's system. Not here at Linked Up Church, but there are people who give more to the lottery than they have ever given to church. And they never say the lottery is just trying to take my money. I never once heard them say, the only reason they set up the lottery was to take my money. When if they can pay out billions, how much do you think they're making? I never heard somebody say, well, I'm just not going to buy my lottery tickets because I got some bills to play. No, you know why they buy the lottery tickets? Because they believe that's the way to pay their bills. Proverbs chapter 8, 17 through 19. I just need five seconds of energy and enthusiasm in this building right now. Come on, some, some, come on, some, somebody on God's side. Come on, well, somebody on God's side. Just rejoice when you hear truth. All the stuff I hear about why people don't give, you never hear about the worldly stuff that they do. They never say that the, the, the alcohol place just want my money. They never say the club just wants my money. They get to church and they say what? The church just wants my money. How many minutes left on my clock? Because I, I can feel the tension rising in this place right now. Where is my security? Stay close to me today. <laughs> Stay close to me. Proverbs chapter 8, 17 through 19, he said, I love those amplified who love me. Well, well, see, now he's getting ready to show you what loving him looks like. And those who seek me early and diligently find me. Come on, if you catch this, if you learn how to wake up, wake up, tap, tap her sitting right next to you. Tap her. Open your eyes up. Listen. <laughs> Life-changing. I can do all this now. See, I couldn't do that at Impact. I might come up there, and I might come all the way up there, the back row up there in the risers. I'm asking them to get me some tennis balls, put me a bucket of tennis balls on that stage. And if I see somebody napping up there, first of all, I'm going to ask the neighbor, if you see them napping, then get the slapping. But if they... But, but if they don't, then I'm going to pick up one of them tennis balls and just throw it back there. Wake up. God is talking to you right now. That's not to embarrass her. I love her. This is April. I love her. That's not to embarrass her. But I'm telling you, folks, this, this is kingdom. If you catch this, your life will never be the same again. 
He said, I love those who love me and those who seek me early. See, get up in the morning and make your first priority getting before God. Get your devotional out. Get your instructions before you leave home. Find out what God is saying about your day, who he wants you to bless, who he wants you to be a blessing to. Get that early. Most of us wait till stuff happens, and then we want to go to God and react and respond. Learn how to be proactive and give God the first part of your day. Wake up early and seek Him when you know He can be found. And then look at what He said here, what comes along with that. Because riches and honor are with me. So all the stuff you're going to leave out there to chase, if you get me, then you get all the riches and the honor. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness, right standing with God. Look at what he said. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield. See, my economy, if you invest in me, my dividends are better than the choicest silver. Folks, if you'll just get this, get up and pray first. See, we talk about pray first, but do we live pray first? We wear wristlets to say pray first, but do we live pray first, right? Is it a priority? Is that lived out? Can that be seen? Do I wake up every day and that's the most important thing I do when my feet hit the ground is to find out what instructions do you have for me today, Father? How can I be more pleasing to you today, God? What is it that you want me to do? God, you are more important than anything else in my life. And he said, when you master that, all the riches and the wealth and the honor that you're chasing, it comes with me. I promise you, you don't want it if it doesn't come from God. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're trying to create linked up culture here. What time does church start on Sunday mornings? What time? What time? So if you get here at 8.50, you're late. Fifteen minutes early is on time. And on time is late. You're not coming here for Joel Gregory. You're coming here for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you want to treat him and his house right. I hope you wouldn't show up for a job interview 10 minutes late and expect to get that job. I hope you don't show up on your job that you do have late and expect to get raises and promotions. I'm just saying we got to learn how to treat God's business better than our own business. What time does church start on Sunday mornings? See? What time? About 8.35. That gives me enough time to do whatever I need to do and be ready when it's time to take care of God's business. You master that, watch what begins to happen in your life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's read it very quickly. Amplified Bible says, first of all, then. See, I pray this prayer every single day. Most likely, if you ever hear me lead in prayer, you're going to hear this prayer come out of my mouth. I want to hear something different. You're not going to get that from me. You're going to get consistency. 
Everybody want different. I want consistent. See, my greatest leaders in my life, they had this ability to not let the people change what they do. Look what he said here. It's real clear. First of all, then, I urge you that petitions, specific requests and prayers, intercessions, prayers for others, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all people. Right? Specific requests, prayers, praying for other people, and giving of thanks for all people, for kings and for all who are in positions of high authority, so that we may live. See, notice we benefit from that. Right? So, so, so even though I'm praying for other people, I'm blessing my own life. How am I blessing my own life? This makes so much sense to me. So that we may live a peaceable or peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Look at the Amplified verse 3. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So if it's good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior... Why wouldn't we make that a regular part of our lives? Right? So, so notice he said, first of all then. Typically, though, when tragedy happens, what's the first thing we do? Fret, worry, right? If you catch this, your life will never be the same. Anytime tragedy hits you, first thing you need to do is pray. I've learned, folks, the first thing when something hits me, Get away from people. Oh, you didn't. I hope you Because our natural tendency is to go to people. Let me tell you what I'm learning to master. Stay away from people. And go straight to God. You better find out what he said before all these other voices get in your head. Because everybody has motives, everybody has intentions. And they may, they may not be God's intentions for this situation. And now I've learned how to hear what he said and block out all the other stuff. Because I've learned everybody close to you does not have your best interests at hand. Oh, I wish it was some real maturity in this place today. I'm learning to listen less to people and more to God. Oh, somebody should. First thing you want to do, folks, is don't run to people. Get before God. Figure out what he said. And then when you share it with the people, be careful who you share it with. Because they're all going to try to tell you something that they think or they believe. And you got to have enough courage to just do what God said. Even when the people around you don't believe in it. Let's close right here. Let's look at one more. You all getting anything out of this today? How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Right? We're going to start going a little deeper at Linked Up Church. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. These are just complimentary texts. Let's begin reading at verse 1, and we're going to bring it on home. I would encourage everyone in here to listen to a series we did, Excel in the Grace of Giving. It's right on our website. I would encourage you to listen to that. That's life-changing. 
Apostle Frederick Casey Price challenged me with that five years ago. I first proved it out before I ever shared it with people. And I'm telling you, I've never been more blessed than what I am right now and how much I've been blessed over the last five years. Simply because he asked me, how was my giving life? And of course, my standard answer was, sir, I've been tithing since I've been saved. You know what he said? That's all you do? then what would make you better than the people that you serve? How are you leading the people you serve if you do what they do? You haven't grown in your giving? See, what he heard, I heard, man, that's a blessing. I've never missed tithing in 25 years. What he heard, that's a tragedy that you haven't grown beyond that in 25 years. See, that's called maturity. That's called seasoning. And I had enough sense to go follow what he was telling me. And then, okay, God, I want to grow in this area. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Of course, most people are here, and it's just another sermon to them. It's not God speaking to them about changing their lives. And then what they'll say is, I'm not growing at that church. When what you've got to understand, I hear this all the time, I'm not responsible for your growth. I hear that all the time. not enough maturity in this church. I'm not responsible for your maturity. Only thing I can do is take you to the water. I can't make you drink it. I coached high school basketball for eight years. I never made a basketball player better. The, the basketball player made himself better. The only thing I did was give him drills. He had to put the work in. And so anytime they try to say, you do, you, coach, you did such a good job with your players. I said, no, the players did a great job with our coaching. I hear that all the time. And what it is is a lazy excuse for acting the way I act. Just grown folks preaching right here. All right. How many of y'all still glad you came today? Amen. All right, let's keep going. Let's look at this 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. King James Version, verses 1 through 4. Then I'll read verse 5 out of the Amplified. Moreover, brethren, see, and people don't know I locate them when they say stuff like that. I actually locate them. Right, because what they're saying is you're responsible for my life, Pastor. And I'm not. I'm going over here because the word is better over there. Until you figure out what's wrong over there. It's just people. Right? Second Corinthians chapter one. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Watch this now, that in a great trial of affliction, this is what Apostle Price was sharing with me, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So for whatever reason, none of that flows together to me. They were in a great trial of great afflictions, but yet they had an abundance of joy. 
You know why? Because they had confidence in Christ. And then that confidence and that abundance of joy while they were in deep poverty caused them to be extremely liberal in their giving. So I want you to think about that picture. Most of us don't think when I'm in financial trouble or challenge, I need to give. Most of us think I need to hold on. And they forget how the kingdom operates. It's first sowing, then reaping, then savings, right? But they're waiting to get something, right? And what it really is is what are you willing to trust God with? So you've got to demonstrate that you have great confidence in Christ when things are tough. And then watch him come through for you. Amen. It says, for I bear witness that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, this is where I really want to get to. Look at verse 5, the Amplified. Not only did they give materially, verse 5, the Amplified, not only did they give materially as we had hoped, watch this, but they first gave of themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives. Now, let's go back to the kingdom, right? Kingdom is doing and being right. You've got to be right before you can do right. Right? Do you all remember that? Let's keep reading this out of the Amplified. We're talking kingdom, keeping the kingdom first. By the will of God, disregarding their personal interests and giving as much as they possibly could. Listen to this. Verse 5 out of the New Living Translation reads this way. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give of themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to. So notice here, money was not the primary issue. Not at all. Their hearts were. Money was to be a reflection of a heart that was already given. So you know why God doesn't have people's resources? Because he doesn't have their hearts. And it goes back to that whole trust issue. So every year since Apostle Price challenged me, I've increased my giving every year. This is the most blessed I've ever been, while at the same time not receiving a raise from this church, which means my income is the same income it was back in 2012, right? What are most people saying? When I make more, I'll give more. That's not kingdom. I give more, so therefore I naturally receive more. My wife will tell you, when we do our taxes, I have always received back every year more than I would have given myself or even received in a raise. Last one, Proverbs 3, 9, and I'm done. Proverbs 3, 9 says, now, is your heart or your money more important to God? Which one? Somebody answer that. Which one? Right? And so it's after he gets our heart, then our resources should belong to him as well. And he should be able to direct us. Look at what Proverbs 3 9 says. I'll read out of the Amplified. It tells us here Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops or your income. Well, really, what was that all about? Honoring the Lord with your possessions, first fruits of all of your increase, 
God really doesn't want our stuff. It's just our stuff reflects what's really going on in our hearts. He needs our giving so that he can be a blessing to other people, right? He needs it from us personally because it is a personal reflection of what's going on in our heart, right? He said, wherever your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also, right? And so it's important to God that we never put our resources before him. And again, if you'll put God first in your resources, you will never come in second. So it's a continual reminder from him to us that if we will allow our lives to be completely his, then we'll end up living the life we always dreamed about. How many of y'all believe that today? All right, let's lift our hands to the Father. How many of y'all get, did you get anything out of this today? All right. I mean, you can already look within your heart and say, you know what? I can already see where some adjustments can be made. Go ahead. Lift your hand right now if you can say, Pastor, I can already see where some adjustments can be made in my life. Right? Now, just go ahead and lift your other hand and begin to talk to God right out of your heart about being sincere in making those adjustments. Don't just hear the word. James tells us to but be a doer of the word that you heard so that you don't sit in church for 30 years and your knife never moves from point A to point B. Don't just be a church goer. Be a doer of God's word. Go back, listen to this over again. Write it down. See where you can make adjustments. Talk it over with your spouse. Talk it over with your children. Come on, how can we get the kingdom first in every aspect of our life? Make this a priority in your life and see if your life doesn't change for the rest of your life. I pray that you catch this today. And Father, I pray for every person in this room today. Let's all stand to our feet. I pray for every person in this room today. I'm going to pray over you. Just lift your hands to the Father. Go ahead and lift your hands to the Father. I pray over every person in this room today that you dropped answers into their spirits, Father. Answers about careers, answers about jobs, answers about finances. It's just a kingdom first mentality, Father. I pray that for every area of their lives, they find out how to put you first in it. That is my prayer for them today so that their lives can look like what you always dreamed about for Father. May Linked Up Church not be a place where we play church, but let it be a place where we're being the church that you've called us to be, Father. That is my heart's cry, and that is my heart's prayer. Let it first start at this pulpit, and then let it flow all the way out to the parking lot. And so while you're in that attitude of prayer today, no one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned to do so, you've got an opportunity right now to put the kingdom first in your life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, you've got the biggest opportunity ever known to man right now. The greatest invitation.